Welcome to Earth Matters, environmental justice stories from Australia and around the world. Today's episode was produced on the lands of the Wurundjeri and Boonwurrung people and broadcast across these stolen lands via the Community Radio Network. I'd like to pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I'm Megan Williams. Earlier this month, a landmark case for climate action was settled in the 11th hour before it was set to be heard in the federal court. 25-year-old Mark McVeigh had alleged his super fund was not acting in his interests by failing to consider the risks of climate change. Before the court hearing, the Retail Employees Superannuation Trust, better known as Rest Super, produced a statement outlining how it plans to manage the risk of climate change to its members. Today we'll hear from Mark McVeigh on what he's learned from challenging a $50 billion super fund in the federal court. But first, we'll hear from Mark's lawyer, David Barnden from Equity Generation Lawyers. I started by asking him on what grounds Mark challenged Rest Super. Initially, Mark filed a case requesting um, information and um, he alleged that REST were obliged to give him information around how they manage climate change risks and that they didn't do so. That claim then evolved into a claim that the trustee of the fund had not been acting in Mark's best interests Uh, nor with the required degree of care, skill and diligence that a superannuation trustee um, must act. And and that was with respect to how they invested his money and how they thought about climate change risks. Right. Is that, that's where the court case that um, most recently was finished got up to? That's right. So those two... So the access to information claim, and we can call it the trustee duty claim, uh, were the subject of the proceedings right up until the end. The the trustee claim is really important because it strikes at the heart of of what the trustee does in order to um, to protect people like Mark, so for people who might not get their superannuation for another thirty or forty years. Um, it it goes to protecting those people from climate change risks and so from from dodgy investments and it um it, it was an attempt to um to ensure that the the trustee did everything right for mark and so it so it thought about climate change risks it thought about how its investments might be impacted and um and it would would give our client the um just just the sense of security that he needed to know that his money was being looked after properly mm. And what laws exist to be able to challenge um, challenge your super fund on how they manage your money long term? Yeah, so the the first law in terms of access to information is in the in the Corporations Act, and that says that any any member of a superannuation fund can access information that they need to reasonably decide on how the fund is being managed. 
Um, there's other provisions that allow for access um, to understand certain investments and things like that. The trustee duties are, are codified in, um, in, in legislation, uh, but also they exist in, um, in a branch of law called equity. So, so there's quite, um, you know, there's a number of legal bases for, for those claims to be made. And the case was settled out of court recently. What agreement did you come to? So the statement that REST put out um, tells the world what it will now do uh, with respect to, to climate change and to manage those risks. And it's a very um, sophisticated and, and detailed statement. Uh, at the top, it recognises that climate change is a, is a current and material financial risk to the fund's investments. And it describes what they're now going to do. So, so they've built in an analysis and assessment of climate change risks into the, the internal processes of the fund. So, so they need to think about climate change. That's, that's now built in. Um, and they're doing specific things. They will now have a net zero to 2050 target for its portfolio, which is really important. And, and it's important as a, as a step to, to recognise that high emissions will, will essentially be risky. And so, so there's an understanding that, that if you reduce the emissions footprint of your portfolio, then, then the financial risk will reduce. So that's really important, um, and it puts rest ahead of many other players, um, I mean, including obviously our federal government. Uh, there's a whole raft of things in there. You know, rest will actively consider shareholder resolutions. They will encourage their um, the companies they invest in and and governments to um, align themselves to the Paris targets. Um, so, so things like that. It's, it's a very sophisticated outcome. Right. And when you talk about risk, is that talking in terms of financial risk, like they might lose money in the future on investing in coal, or does it mean risk to, you know, our future and our, our climate and, you know, life on this planet in general? Principally it means financial risk, but there is a, there is a relationship between the, the physical risks um, and the risks to ecosystems, things like that, and, um, and the ultimate success of economies and, and society. And that's precisely the reason why, why our client could bring a case, case like this, because as, as climate change gets worse, um, you know, the world heats up, um, it's possible that, that various ecosystems might collapse and and economies will be affected. So, look, it's, it's quite well understood now that, that these sort of physical risks and um, environmental risks translate as financial risks. Right. And But so I guess it's different to how the economic system usually looks at their investments, you know, like understanding the bigger picture is something, I mean, I wish all um, our economies kind of took that into account, but in the neoliberal world that we live in, there's this sort of short-term thinking. Do you think Res Super has really taken that on board and do you think that 
it will influence the sector sector more broadly? Yeah, so you're you're right about short term thinking, obviously, and that's been um, a real problem and a real source of pushback on on incorporating climate change into um, into how investors think. But we're we're also in a position as a society where there's um, there's a lot of knowledge about it, and members like Mark won't put up with their funds doing anything about it. Um, so, so it's a current risk, and um, and even to the extent that if um, if members leave the fund, uh, if they're not doing anything about it, that that can Im- impact you know the fund's reputation, the fund's strategy, um, and and ultimately how much how much money is in the fund. And you know, typically, the more money in a fund, the the, the better it does with um, economies of scale. So, so we we do see a um, an overarching change in attitude. Right. And it's been described as a win for climate action. Like what does it mean for super funds and other investments going forward? I think it creates a race to the top. It puts rest uh, amongst the, the, the better performers in Australia. So before REST came out with its target for net zero by 2050, uh, we understand only 20% of funds had such a target. Um, and, you know, we we see last week that Australian super followed suit and implemented a, a net zero by 2050 target. At the same time, it announced it had divested its shares in Whitehaven Coal and and so so we see the um, the superannuation industry attempting to reach um, similar standards that that rest has set. And is there any direct pressure on the government coming out um, coming out of a case like this? It's difficult to say, but um, the federal government is more and more isolated in in not signing up to a net zero by 2050 target um, as more funds like like rest and australian super have those as as official targets it becomes harder and harder for the federal government to to resist and it becomes more and more of an outlier and it's it's reputation becomes tarnished and we don't need to uh, remind listeners of earth matters about the urgency for climate action but what role do you think the courts can play in furthering the transition to a safe climate? The courts can only go so far. Um, judges and, and lawyers, of course, are, are bound to act within the realm of precedent and, and in the realm of what's possible in the law. So, so that's why you see cases by uh, investors and, and also cases that um, talk about protecting the 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 health um of um of children for example so 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 we can use the the courts in in that respect and there should be hopefully flow-on effects to the environment but at the end of the day we we all need to pull our weight and um um it's it's important for for listeners and um whoever is concerned to to, to be involved and, and do whatever they can. And you did, the case was settled out of court. You know, 
would you have hoped for anything else if you'd taken it right through the the court process? Yeah, it's a re- it's a really good question. Um, <clears throat> our, I mean, our client was was thrilled with the outcome. Um, and as I said, it does put rest towards the the, the top of the tree um, with superannuation funds. There's certainly more more work um, that that the fund can do and that all funds can do. Um, and and it's a it's, it's a fantastic start for the fund, which when we filed the case uh, two years ago, it it merely treated climate change as a, as an issue that its its investment managers, so so other organisations who invested money for it, that they they might take into account. So so it's come a really long way, and um, and I don't think there's too much more we could ask for. Yeah, great. And what's next from here? Well, we're very interested to see how the industry responds. Um, um, we we already see, um, you know, the development with Australian Super, um, and and of course there's there's a whole range of pressures on superannuation funds from their members, from regulators. Um, so so it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. What's next from here with respect to at least our other cases? We have two on foot in the federal court. One is against the Commonwealth Government for not disclosing the risks of climate change to its sovereign bonds. And the other is against the Minister for the Environment um, seeking an injunction to prevent her approving Whitehaven's Vickery Extension Project as a result of the, um, the foreseeable climate change impacts. So, so we certainly have a lot of work to do. David Barnden from Equity Generation Lawyers, who represented Mark McVie when he challenged his superannuation fund over their failure to consider the risks of climate change to Mark's investments. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. Next up, we'll hear from Mark himself a young graduate ecologist whose legal action against Rest Super was settled out of court after Rest produced a statement outlining their plans to manage the financial risks of climate change on behalf of its members. I started by asking Mark how he found himself challenging his $50 billion super fund in the federal court. It's kind of strange. It was a bit of a, of just a snowballing effect, really. Um, Back in 2017, I just sent a quite a simple email, just asking some questions to to my superannuation at the time, rest, um, and it really just snowballed from there. I um, sent some emails back and forth from them when I didn't really get the information I wanted. Uh, talked to a few people about it, and eventually ended up getting a lawyer and and going from there. So yeah, definitely wasn't expecting it. Like, what kind of questions were you asking them to start with? So the kind of questions I was asking was basically what was their climate change policy? Um, what kind of um, methods were they using to take climate change into account with their risk management, with their investments? Um, you know, what was the board's opinion on climate change, those kinds of things? Um, and, and, yeah, basically they redirected me to their website, which just had a, a very small blurb about uh, ESG or Environmental Sustainable Governance Matters. Um, which really didn't answer any of my questions. So 
uh, I wasn't really happy with that, and that's that's how we kind of got forward. Yeah. Yeah, and I, like I am interested in the full story about how you kind of got to court. So you asked them some questions. They directed you to the website to some pretty unsatisfying answers. And then, like, did you ask them some more or did you have, like, what kind of, talk me right through the steps. Yeah, sure. So I think I, in the initial email, they basically sent back, you know, a link to their, their website. Um, and I, I sent something back again saying, you know, that's not really what I'm looking for. Can you please answer these questions? Um, you know, it kind of makes it look like, you know, not being able to answer those questions that you're not taking climate change um, seriously, not taking into account with your um, climate risk management processes and stuff like that. So when they emailed back from that with nothing again, um, that's when I went and talked to some people. I talked to some people at uh, a place called Market Forces. Um, and from there, I went and talked to David, um, who was my lawyer for the, for the whole process. Um, and basically found that, yeah, they should be answering those questions. You know, I'm a, I'm a customer, um, and, uh, you know, I have my money with rest and they have a duty to, to kind of disclose information to me so I can make a good financial decision. Um, and so that's kind of how it, how it started. Yeah. And like, talk me through the legal bits, like how, how long were you sort of, because you didn't go to court. Um, what was the process once you engaged David? Yeah, sure. So first, I think we were going to go to there's some kind of um, uh, regulatory tribunal. That was the first step of, you know, maybe we can sort this out through the, the regulator, um, which didn't end up working out. So from there, we went to the decision to, to take it to the high court, to the federal court, um, because basically they they weren't going to answer our questions. And there was a case there for not only disclosing the information, um, but potential Potentially, they weren't because they weren't taking climate change into account. It could be a breach of fiduciary duty, which is quite a big deal. Um, so that's where basically the case went to a federal court, uh, and that sat there for about well, a year or two before we could finally get to trial, which was due in November this year. Um, and at the very last minute of the last day before trial started the next morning, they came to us with a, a settlement, um, and it, it was we we're quite happy with that. So. Um, yeah, it didn't actually get to trial, but we, we ended up with some really good results. And so it sounds like you kind of got what you were hoping for? Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, the suite of, of policies that REST now has, I think, are really good. Um, and compared to where it was back in 2017, I think it is uh, just a mile ahead better. Um and, and yeah, I'm, I'm definitely very, very happy with it. Uh, you can also see changes in other superannuation companies uh, across Australia as well after seeing this, this case. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, but there's been a few uh, that have set 2050 targets at the moment. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a, a wider impact on the industry as well, which is, which is just great. Yeah, and you hear about sort of divestment campaigns for super funds and different fossil-free or ethical kind of funds that can offer that, you know, alternative, you know, there's a financial industry popping up around sort of a climate ethics. So what 
made you decide to stick with rest super and take them all the way to court rather than just divesting and going for a different fund? Predominantly it was just stubbornness. Um, I, I didn't really like not being told the answers I was chasing and I felt like I deserved it. Um, and I'd been with rest since I was like, you know, 16, I think in, in, you know, I started working at Woolworths in grade 10. And I, I think that's how most people kind of, kind of do it. They, they stay with their first superannuation that they get when they're, you know, just first start working and they, they stay with that company for a long time. Um, and so I, I guess I wanted to, to find more about what rest was doing and rather than just take my money elsewhere, actually try and make it better and, and, uh, get some answers. And when you set out, you know, with that email asking them what their policies were around climate action or the risks of climate change into the future, could you envision yourself going as far as you have? Definitely not. No, not at all. Um, I'm not really sure even still how it really happened, but I think I just kept pushing that little bit further, that little bit further. Um, You know, you talk to some people, you talk to some more people, uh, and it just kind of edged its way. And I just thought, well, I'm just keep going to go, going to keep going with this and, and see where it goes. Um, and yeah, I mean, sitting in the, the federal court building, um, was definitely, definitely very strange. Um, but I think the more I thought about it, the, the more, um, I kind of realized how important it was to keep going. Um, and the impact that something like this might actually have, and, and it's not just, not just about me and my money anymore. It's it's about you know fifty billion dollars worth of of people's money that's invested in rest. I think it might be forty billion or something now. But um, yeah, I, I suppose that's what kept me going to to keep pushing. Yeah, and it is. It's it's such a great story, and I am so pleased that you followed it through. But for people listening at home, like. What what kind of person do you have to be to to take someone to court or to take a financial institution to court over climate change? Yeah, I mean, the the great thing about the legal process, I guess, is it's very slow, which is 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 both like a, a great thing and a terrible thing because if it was fast, it would be a, a hell of a lot of work. But because it's slow, I think you know, um, as far as the stuff I had to do. Uh, it didn't completely take over my life. Um, I mean, it was still quite a large undertaking, but um, I don't think it, t- it takes anything special from somebody to do it. Um, but I also don't think everyone has to do it. I don't think everyone should be out there suing their superannuation funds, but just asking questions is a good start. But, but yeah, the kind of person you have to be, I suppose just somebody that asks questions and, and doesn't take no for an answer um, is all you really need. And, you know, all the big, legal stuff that's that's something the lawyers can do um yeah and i'm wondering you know what else you learned from this journey oh wow um yeah i definitely learned a lot i mean i learned a lot about the legal process um you know how superannuation funds work and and uh you know how to how to get information um from you know to help your case and uh i guess the the benefit of of people who are, you know, passionate about the same things, you know, you know, being in circles and, and knowing people who are also passionate and will support you and, um, and that kind of thing, I think is really important. If you want to make a difference in, in any kind of, um, 
industry in relation to climate. I think there's a whole group of people out there that are willing to help um, that are passionate about the same things and you've just got to find them um, and help each other to, to make a difference. So I think that's that's one of the main things I learned. Yeah. And if for people that are interested in doing this or sort of asking those questions, as you say, where can they go? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are so many organisations in Australia that are doing so such good work. I mean, um, if you want to make a difference in regards to climate change, then, you know, there's, there's plenty to pick from. I mean, uh, you know, 350.org, um, Market Forces, uh, there's plenty of small-scale ones as well. I mean, the more organisations you're part of and, and can, you know, network and, and work with people, the stronger you are and, and the more potential you have to make change. So that that's what my recommendation would be is to, to find people who are also passionate um, and work with them to, to make a difference. So, yeah, I think that's, that's the best way. Fantastic. And um, do you have anything else to say to the listeners out there? Um, yeah, I mean, just be considerate of, of where your money is and, and how it's being used, I suppose, you know. Um, a lot of us leave our money with, you know, banks and insurers and superannuation companies and, and the like, and we don't really understand or know what they're doing with it and how it's being managed. So I guess it, it's really important to just ask that question, you know, if it's just a quick email to your bank or to your super or even your insurance and just saying, you know, what are you doing? What's your climate policy? Um, and, and just ask some questions. I think that's the start. Um, the more questions that get asked, the more uh, these companies and institutions are going to have to actually have answers for them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, what's what's next now that you've had this big win out of rest? Have you got any plans for the future? Uh, yeah, it's the big question, isn't it? It's, it's hard to back that up, really. <laughs> Taking a, a $40 billion superannuation company to, to court, I'm, I'm not really sure where to go from here, to be honest, but um, I'm definitely going to be working on something. But uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and, and see how that turns out. Mark McVeigh, a young ecologist that took legal action against his super fund for failing to consider the risks of climate change. And the rest is history. You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. If you missed any of today's show, you can find our podcasts at 3cr.org.au slash earthmatters. And if you're listening via a podcast app and you love our show, please rate, review and subscribe. Get in touch with Earth Matters at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or find us on Facebook. Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their financial support and the Community Radio Network for getting the program out to you. Earth Matters was once produced from the studios of 3CR on Wurundjeri Country and will be coming to you from the studio again very soon. My name's Megan Williams and we'll see you next time for more Earth Matters.